This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. PI3K inhibitors have been an area of great interest for drug developers targeting cancers but they've been difficult to turn into promising drugs due to safety concerns and a lack of efficacy in clinical trials. Farming, though, believes PI3K can be a valuable target to treat APDS, a rare immune condition. The company is working to develop Leniolacib, which which it licensed from the drug giant Novartis in 2019. We spoke to Anurag Relin, chief medical officer of farming, about APDS, the role PI3K inhibitors can play in treating the condition, and why it may have broader use in autoimmune and inflammatory diseases. It is a genetic disease, and the cause is fairly well understood in terms of these two genes that lead to uh, these problems, and, and there's basically variants in these two genes that uh, can lead to hyperactivity of this enzyme. Um, f- and for most patients, that what that means is because it's a genetic disease, they would have received a, one of, uh, a bad copy from one of their parents. Um, now, there are also what's called spontaneous cases or de novo cases. So these are uh, patients who have the condition without a family history. Um, but for the most part, this is uh, a, a disease that's passed on from uh, parent to child. How is the condition generally diagnosed and how difficult is it to diagnose? It is a difficult condition to diagnose. Uh, and it's it's one of those conditions that's difficult because it has so many different manifestations. And oftentimes patients are diagnosed with broader conditions. So they may be diagnosed simply with primary immune deficiency or what's called a combined immune deficiency or, or another category called common variable immune deficiency. Um, sometimes patients are only diagnosed when they develop uh, lymphoma. Uh, so because of these different manifestations, because it's a rare condition, because it's only been recently described, um, it is a difficult condition to diagnose. That said, uh, things are changing and things are really improving because of the availability of genetic testing. And genetic testing is really the only way to make a definitive diagnosis of APDS. Uh, Genetic testing has widely become or become more widely available in the last three or four years. So even though the condition has been described for several years uh, longer, it's it's only the last couple of years where genetic testing is now available. Um, In addition to genetic testing, 
healthcare providers may become suspicious of APDS when they see certain clinical manifestations or laboratory results. So we've talked about the clinical manifestations, but some of the laboratory results that sometimes are seen in these patients, we see low levels of immune globulin, um, specifically IgG. But on the other hand, you see high levels of IgM. So when you see this pattern, that can raise some suspicion about the condition. Um, in terms of the clinical manifestation, the combination of immune deficiency as well as autoimmunity together, as well as in the presence of this uh, these swollen lymph nodes or enlarged spleen, this can be a red flag. Um, obviously, a family history of primary immune deficiency would be a big red flag. Um, but eventually, these things are all lead to a suspicion, and, and ultimately, the provider needs to perform a genetic test to confirm and make the accurate diagnosis of APDS. Now, I mentioned that the genetic test has become more widely available in the last several years, and we've actually partnered with a genetic testing company called Invite to offer no-charge genetic testing to include actually a full panel of more than 400 genes that are involved uh, in primary immune deficiency. And the, these, um, this test is, is now available through this program that we have developed. Uh, we have more details about the program, uh, including uh, some genetic counseling that we offer to patients uh, pre and post test. Um, for more information, you can see this at navigateapds.com. So this is, uh, I think, a big area of focus for us is to educate providers about the availability of testing and the need for testing, especially when you see these certain uh, clinical manifestations of autoimmunity, uh, recurrent infections, and lymphoproliferation. Because what we're hearing from patients and, and those people that have been diagnosed and doctors who've been involved in these patients' care is that these patients often see numerous doctors. They've seen, of course, their primary care doctors, pediatricians. Oftentimes, they'll see hematologists, um, gastroenterologists. Um, because of the recurrent lung infections, they'll be seen by pulmonary physicians. So this um, this is a, certainly a challenge for these patients and quite frustrating that they're hopping around from doctor to doctor partially because of our fractured healthcare system um, that doesn't allow for this interdisciplinary communication. But in the end, um, oftentimes these patients do end up with an immunologist who can uh, see that they have a problem related to their immune system based on some of the laboratory testing and hopefully get a genetic test to make a confirmed diagnosis. A lot of our efforts are around the concept of educating not only these um, immunologists about the availability of testing, but also these other uh, subspecialists who may be seeing these patients, but not recognizing that, this, the, that the symptoms that they are having are part of a larger disease complex, this, uh, this syndrome where there's numerous manifestations. The goal is that eventually with the widespread availability of genetic testing, with education, that we can reduce this diagnostic delay and prevent some of the progression of the disease that can be associated with APDS and, and even prevent some of these patients, hopefully, from developing lymphoma, uh, which is uh, obviously quite serious. How are patients with the condition generally treated today, and, and what's their prognosis? Yeah, it's a, it's a complicated situation because, uh, on the one hand, there's this diagnostic delay 
of sometimes up to 10 years for these patients to get a correct diagnosis. When they do get a diagnosis, really the, the treatment options are limited. Uh, there are no approved targeted therapies that are um, trying to normalize, let's say, the abnormal enzyme um, that's hyperactive in these patients, so the PI3K delta enzyme. So there's nothing uh, targeting that that's approved currently. So basically what clinicians are left with are trying to treat the manifestations. So if they're getting recurrent infections, then you give them antibiotics. Um, oftentimes these patients are also placed on immune globulin replacement therapy. Um, but then if they get uh, problems with um, autoimmunity, then they're placed on immunosuppressants to try to uh, combat that aspect of the disease. So it's really a complicated picture and, and the care for these patients is really a delicate balancing act between trying to manage the immune deficiency as well as the dysregulation at the same time sometimes in, in these patients. Um, the, it's really, like I said, the, the challenge is getting that specific diagnosis because they, these patients are often uh, admitted to the hospital. Um, they'll often sometimes have repeated uh, surgical procedures, um, get their tonsils out, their spleen removed, uh, numerous biopsies of their lymph nodes, sometimes even bone marrow biopsies. Um, and as you can imagine, given those issues in terms of not having a correct diagnosis superimposed with these limited treatment options, this really does impact the quality of life that these patients have. They frequently miss school, work, um, you know, uh, mental health issues are, are, are a serious problem, of course, also. And what we're finding, though, is that getting a diagnosis, even, even in the absence of a treatment today, can be quite helpful because now the, the provider can manage the condition better, um, being aware of what, uh, what the prognosis is, what to look for, um, what to be aware of in terms of the development of lymphoma. But obviously, the, the goal is to develop a specific therapy um, so that can help these patients in, in a, a more targeted manner. You've been licensed a PI3K inhibitor from Novartis. This is a, a class of drugs that have been largely pursued as treatments for cancer. These, these drugs have been difficult to develop for cancer, too. Why have they been so problematic? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's also a difficult question to answer. Um, I think there's probably at least two factors that are relevant. The first is that, you know, as you mentioned, um, they've been tried, these class of drugs have been tried primarily in oncology, and they've been tried for various refractory cancers. Um, there's a complex biology involved in, 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 the, in a number of these cancers. Um, and, and I think the other aspect here is that numerous inhibitors that have been tried, um, they have, let's say, they're really the first generation of inhibitors, and a lot of them also had different selectivity for the different forms or isoforms of the PI3K enzyme uh, complex. So what we're seeing is that, you know, this is a, it's, it's a very complicated situation where you had numerous drugs that have been associated with different toxicities um, and different tolerability issues in the setting of these various cancers. But what we're seeing now is, you know, what we're, what we're doing now in terms of the work that Novartis has done in terms of developing this uh, PI3K delta inhibitor, 
The first aspect to note is that this is really a second generation inhibitor, so it's 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 also focused on this this delta isoform of the enzyme. So th that's one thing to note. The second is that we're dealing with a different uh, patient population here. Um, these patients with APDS have a hyperactive PI3K delta pathway. Because of that genetic mutation, that pathway is hyperactive and there is imbalanced signaling in this pathway leading to those issues that I mentioned earlier with the, the immune system um, development and the manifestation of, of the, or the, the maturation, excuse me, of the immune system in the B and T cells. In, in this setting, what we're talking about here is, you know, trying to normalize and return these patients to a balanced pathway. So in a sense, it's actually much more straightforward uh, trying to match this drug to the disease because, you know, you have this hyperactive enzyme and you're trying to normalize that as opposed to sort of the complex milieu that you might have in oncology where there's numerous other things going on. Um, so I think in that combination of using a second generation drug with more isoform selectivity, as well as focusing uh, in these patients where there's a clear mechanism of disease that's related to this PI3K pathway hyperactivity, I think that this together, uh, the hope is that the, the, the drug will be able to address these patients' uh, underlying cause in a more direct uh, and better tolerated manner. And, and what is the drug you've been licensed and what's the case for using it in, in, in APDS? Yeah, the, the name of the drug is Leniolisib. It's a uh, orally bioavailable PI3K delta inhibitor. Um, the structure is significantly different from those first-generation uh, inhibitors that have been developed um, uh, for oncology primarily, um, and this may improve the tolerability that remains to be seen, but that, that, that is the goal, is that uh, to improve the tolerability. Um, the, the basic mechanism is really, again, trying to normalize these patients uh, and return to balanced signaling in this PI3K pathway. I think we have a good understanding of that pathway and we have a good understanding of how the two genes involved in APDS lead to uh, hyperactivity in this pathway. And so, you know, since the root cause is this hyperactivity and we have a targeted PI3K delta inhibitor in leniolisib, we think we have a good basis to try to address this uh, root cause. What is the relationship with Novartis going forward? Or, or did you just in-license the drug or are you actually working with them in any capacity? We are closely working with them. Um, we have, um, they were responsible for finishing the phase two, phase three study. And that study completed enrollment um, earlier this year. And um, we are in the process of getting that study wrapped up and hope to have data from that study early in 2022. Um, per the licensing terms, farming will then take over the full responsibilities of the program and be responsible for regulatory submissions as well as further clinical development. So um, we're in close partnership with them there and um, look forward to you know, continue to work with them in this manner. Well, what's known about Leniolisab from studies that have been performed to date? 
So Novartis um, conducted a uh, two-part phase two slash three study uh, using lenalidocib, and part one um, was an open-label dose escalation study to assess safety, tolerability, uh, PK, PD uh, in six patients with APDS. And those results have been published uh, by Kennedy Rao from the NIH uh, in the journal Blood. Um, and those results were then used to determine the optimal dose in the double-blind placebo-controlled part of the study, part two, with an additional approximately 30 patients. And, and this study, which is uh, uh, still uh, wrapping up, is designed to assess the safety as well as efficacy of the of the, of the drug. The primary endpoints of the, drug, uh, the study are looking at changes in the B cell profile, specifically trying to determine how many uh, naive out of total B cells um, are, are uh, developing. And then secondly, to look at lymphoproliferation. So looking at the size of the lymph nodes uh, and how those change over time uh, under either placebo or with the drug. The, the part two of the study completed enrollment in uh, June of this year, and we expect that the results from that study will be available early in 2022. In addition, there is an ongoing open label extension study uh, to allow patients who were in that part two study to roll over to, to receive leniolosib on a longer term basis to collect additional safety and efficacy data. And, and what's the path forward? What would it take to get to a, a regulatory filing for approval? So the the, uh, the goal is first to review the data that we receive um, uh, uh, in the beginning of 2022. And if all goes well, uh, to file both with FDA and EMA in, in 2022 and hopefully even have a regulatory approval uh, before the end of 2022. Farming's not alone in looking at PI3K inhibitors to treat immune disorders. Are, are you looking at all beyond APDS? We are, and we've, uh, we're going to look at this very carefully in a sort of a scientifically driven manner, uh, really looking at what the unmet needs are in various uh, conditions. It's, I think our focus right now is around APDS and uh, getting the results analyzed and, and discussing the path forward with uh, FDA and EMA, as well as other regulatory agencies across the world to, to see if uh, leniolosib would be a suitable treatment for APDS. But we are definitely looking at um, other immune uh, disorders where there may be an opportunity to use uh, a drug such as leniolosib. And how does leniolosib figure into farming's broader pipeline? So farming um, has been focused in the field of immunology for quite a number of years, decades, in fact. We have uh, one product on the market um, called Rucanest. It's a recombinant human C1 inhibitor for the treatment of acute attacks of hereditary angioedema, which is another rare disease involving the um, complement and contact cascades of the immune system. In addition to that, you know, we have a new partnership uh, with Orchard Therapeutics to develop a gene therapy for HAE. And, and really the work that we're doing now um, with APDS um, and leniolosib is an extension and, and focus of our 
work in the field of immunology. So it, I think it fits, you know, the work with Leniosa fits in quite nicely with this pipeline. Anurag Rowan, Chief Medical Officer of Farming. Anurag, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate the time, Danny, to speak to you about APDS. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.